is going on ladies and gentlemen of the love and game film family welcome back to another episode of love and game film the podcast about a love of sports and sports films tv shows documentaries movies in general i'm your host jc de Leon. you can find me on social media platforms twitter or x or whatever the fuck you want to call it uh instagram and tiktok at jc de Leon one and you can follow the show on those same platforms at Love Game Film. Got an interesting show for you this week. Uh, did not have time to watch a sports film or documentary as much as I wanted to. Um, there's some things I started to watch. Uh, there's a, an interesting documentary called Good Rivals that's on Amazon Prime that I'll probably review for you next week. I just need to carve out the time to watch it. It's going to be about three hours long. Covers the rivalry between the USA and Mexico soccer team. So it's going to be pretty interesting. I kind of can't wait for that. Um, the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about in this episode, um, we're going to pay tribute to a Miami street artist named David Levitard. And I'll talk about him more in a little bit. Um, talk about some of the other big news going on in sports that are more than just myopic for this week. The, these are, Stories are going to have big, long-lasting impacts, as we tend to do from week to week. And although I don't have a sports movie to talk about, I do have some new movies to talk about. Uh, it's a pretty big weekend for movies this past week. I got to see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem. And I also got to see a Disney I don't know, remake, reboot. I don't know. There's been a bunch of them. Uh... Disney's Haunted Mansion, a really popular ride if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland. So without further ado, let's get into it. So in my aim to to be better at this, which is podcasting, I'm realizing and I'm sort of self-realizing because this hasn't been feedback that anyone's given me. This is just sort of feedback I've given myself. Um, I'm not the most interesting person in the world. I'm not a famous person. This isn't a huge podcast with a huge following, so I shouldn't talk about myself as much as I do, although that's tricky sometimes because I'm doing this show by myself, and I don't go to therapy, so this is a good way for me to get things off my chest. Uh, I'm also, in person, a pretty quiet person. I don't tend to, tend to not say a lot. I can be pretty funny at times, but for the most part, I'm fairly quiet. Just kind of a nice and gentle soul outside of uh, this show and outside of social media. If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I'm probably a little bit more loquacious and maybe even a little angrier than I might ever seem in person. I'm always kind of seem to be upset about something regarding sports or, you know, I, I, I tend to, my parents say I curse a lot on Twitter and social media and things like that, which, you know, granted, I probably do in person too, but, you know, it 
suffice to say, I'm a fairly different person on social media than I am in person and on this show because I have to bring some energy and kind of get you to kind of draw you in a little bit. But in that vein of trying to be a better podcast, I, I listen to all sorts of different podcasts that cover different topics. And my absolute favorite one I listen to every day because they record every day. They're a sports show, but they they cover a lot more than sports, and it's just kind of a, it's just so all-encompassing of a show. It's the Dan Lebetard show featuring Stu Gatz that's based out of Miami. It's because of this show that I know as much as I do about Miami sports. Uh, I live in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm a huge basketball fan. I love the NBA in general, but I just I happen to know to know a lot about the Dolphins and about the Miami Heat, about the Marlins, even though the Cubs are my favorite team. Recently inter Miami with Messi, even though Austin has its own professional major league soccer team, but the Dan Lebetard show is filled with so many different personalities. It's it truly is the epitome of that meme that started a few years ago of somebody sitting in front of a, a poster with friends and it looks like they're all sitting around laughing. And the meme is basically about this is what it sounds like listening to a podcast. And that's exactly what it sounds like. If you listen to the show long enough, you get to know mostly who these people are in person. Like, to a certain extent, they're playing a character, you know, but for the most part, they're, kind of laying themselves out on the mics every day and you get to know kind of who they are. Dan Lebetard, he started the show and he's, he's gotten, he's attained a lot of success. He took the show from a small local radio show to a national powerhouse of a show on ESPN. He didn't like how ESPN was treating him or his staff. And so he left and created a company on his own and founded a media company called Metal Arc Media. Metal Arc Media incidentally produces the Good Rivals documentary that I was talking about a little while ago featuring U.S. and Mexico soccer. By all accounts, Dan Lebetard is an incredibly generous man. He brought his staff along with him by all in... You know, by everything you can tell, he's, his staff is pretty well compensated. For as much BS as it is to, for any business to say their employees are family, Dan Lebetard really, truly treats his staff like family. And he comes from a small family. And up until this week, he had a brother. He has a younger brother. He had a younger brother named David Levitard, whose nickname was Lebo. Lebo was a world-famous artist for in, in Miami. He painted Miami up and down. There are so many murals on Miami walls, on cruise ships in Miami. There's Lebo's imprint is everywhere on that city. And Dan was truly heartbroken to announce this week that his younger brother had passed away after a year-long... Uh, struggle against he didn't specify what kind of cancer but he he said cancer 
and David Levitard, uh, Lebo, whenever he came onto the show, he was just very gracious. He was super funny. He didn't know anything about sports, which made it even funnier. He considered himself a cartoonist. His art is very kind of surreal and abstract. It's, it's art. It's not for everybody. But it's very distinctive. And Lebo left an imprint with uh, the audience of the Dan Lebetard show. One of the staples of the Lebetard show is art that is littered across the studio anytime you watch them on YouTube. And he created all of that art. Um, Lebo's loss is is definitely going to be a huge one. And, you know, for me, seeing his art and seeing how cool it was, yeah, he I could say he's one of my favorite street artists. And it's something I never really thought about or had to put into perspective because, you know, why would you think about the legacy of a young artist? Well, now that he was taken too soon, uh, you think about that sort of stuff. And so this show just wants to send out a heartfelt tribute to David Lebo Levitard. Uh, rest in power. Yours was a spirit that will truly live on. And I know that the community community of the Levitard show family and fans uh, will miss you. And I'm sorry that you're gone. Uh, thank you for honoring that moment of silence. I uh, kind of sprung that moment of silence on you, and my apologies for that. But uh, I thought it was important to to pay that little tribute to Lebo and to a show that, that I love. Um, a show that kind of teaches you a little bit about podcasting. It, it's certainly an inspiring show. It's uh, They make it look fun. And, yeah, even though I'm here doing it by myself and I do an, another Lakers podcast, sometimes with a co-host, um, just kind of sitting here expressing my thoughts vocally when I spend as much time as I do alone. Uh, it's nice and therapeutic to have someone to vocally speak to besides my cat. <laughs> um, but we're going to move on to one of the bigger news stories that has sort of happened in the last week. And it's, it's an all encompassing story that sort of came to a huge point. And as things like this often do, this was simmering on the surface and it was bound to break through in such a profound way that, that people truly started to take notice. If you're a football fan or an NFL fan, you no doubt are aware that last season in the playoffs in a Buffalo Bills game, uh, Damar Hamlin, he was hit in the chest. He got up. After he made a tackle, he took a couple of steps and then he just collapsed to the ground. And it seemed like it seemed like maybe he blacked out from a hit to the head or something like that. Something that serious as though that is, we've seen it before. And it's it's panic inducing because it's it's serious if it's a hit to the head and somebody collapses to the ground. But something about this one felt 
different. You you sensed a greater sense of panic around his teammates and around the medical staff. And within a few minutes, you learn that he suffered a cardiac arrest. His heart stopped on the football field for for a few minutes. He was clinically dead on the football field and he had to be revived by training staff. That was the inciting incident that sort of made people take a step back and kind of take a look at what athletes might be going through and what might be causing this sort of thing. Because when, when people took a step back and they looked at data, they found out that this is a fairly common occurrence for young athletes to experience cardiac arrest. Now, I am by no means a conspiracy theorist. I'm by no means a right-wing nut job. People will have you believe that the reason young athletes are experiencing this sort of this kind of sudden cardiac arrest is because they took the vaccine. No. This is a show I am a host that believes in science that is not right-wing or conservative in any way. Um, the vaccine is important. I've been vaccinated with I think the the two shots, and I think I've taken two bo- two boosters. Um, believe in vaccines. I believe in science. I do not believe that v- the vaccine is the cause of this, but I do think that humans are evolving in in a way that athletics is sort of having a hard time to keep keep up with. Athletes are bigger, faster, and stronger now because. Technology has improved in ways to help develop the body. Look at LeBron James. LeBron James is entering year 21 in the NBA. The The last person who played 20 years in the NBA was Vince Carter. And by the end of his career, he couldn't average more than seven points a game. He could still dunk, but he had trouble landing. LeBron James has defied what the body can be at his age. Now, I mentioned LeBron James for a specific reason because as explosive as the story with DeMar Hamlin was and as shocking as it was, a few days ago, people woke up to the, to a tweet from Shams Sharania, who's an NBA newsbreaker. The eldest son of LeBron James, Bronny James, He's going to be a freshman at USC and play basketball there. He suffered a cardiac arrest. Now, this wasn't in front of a televised audience. There was no cameras. Nobody saw it happen the way they did with DeMar Hamlin. But it happened nonetheless. And it's such a scary thing. The And... Bronny being as famous as he is, or at least being the son of someone as famous as LeBron is, this opened up more eyes, more conspiracy theories. This is a broader issue. There is a rash of young athletes experiencing cardiac arrest and things like that. I don't believe it's because of the vaccine. I do possibly think it might be due to COVID. COVID was a pandemic, was a worldwide pandemic for a reason because it's serious. The, there was a thought that once you've experienced COVID at this point in time, I believe most of the world has experienced COVID 
in some way or whatnot. I believe I've caught it once. There is a belief that COVID does kind of weaken the heart a little bit, which is scary for pretty much anyone in the world now, because I think most people have caught COVID at least once. Um, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I had it a few months ago and it was the sickest I'd ever been. Like I, I felt like I was on death's door. I, I couldn't believe how sick I was. Um, for a week, I just didn't get out of bed. I wasn't coherent in any way. Eventually, obviously got better, thankfully. But this is after having three or four vaccine shots. So it's a serious thing. It, it requires much more thought and much more educated thoughts than, than I have. All I'm, all I'm here doing is making you aware of the story. My aim with this podcast is to talk about the stories that people are going to make films and documentaries about. And at some point, someone is going to more properly research the epidemic of young athletes experiencing cardiac arrest and it didn't become as serious of a thing until it happened to the son of LeBron James and you know thankfully the USC staff was able to revive him I'm thankful that LeBron James didn't lose his oldest son I can't imagine the tragedy of losing a child and Especially a guy like LeBron, who if you follow his Instagram, if you've followed him throughout his career the way I have, he he loves his kids. He loves his family. He's as good a family man as there is really pretty much anywhere. It would have been an absolute tragedy if Bronny James had passed away It's at the age of 18. And I'm thankful that he's still here. I'm, I'm anxious for someone to an educated doctor to do more research into the cause of why this is happening, not just to LeBron James Jr., but to athletes worldwide. DeMar Hamlin has been cleared to come back to football. He's in training camp right now. He's he's acting on faith to listen to him talk after the experience that he had. He believes he's stronger than ever, and we have no reason to doubt him. So to any athletes who have experienced this and who've been able to come back to the game, it's inspiring. And I'd, I'd love to see more of those stories, people who've successfully come back from this. And, you know, hopefully someone will make that documentary at some point. Moving on to our next story. Um, if you've been listening to episodes of this podcast, uh, it may not seem like I love basketball more than soccer because I feel like I've talked about soccer quite a bit in this podcast and I'm going to do it again here right now um, over in, in New Zealand and Australia, the women's world cup is happening for the year 2023 and the U S is the back-to-back defending champions of the world cup. They've been dominant in women's soccer ever since really since since women's professional soccer's inception, which was like in the late nineties, um, maybe a little earlier than that, but the U S has dominated pretty much the entire time. And it's due to the large advantage that the U S has, which is title nine young athletes 
in schools and universities. Uh, this, the same amount of scholarships and funding has to be distributed to women's sports as it does uh, men's sports, which gives women in this country a huge advantage over women in in other sports from other countries. Uh, USA basketball, for one, is extremely dominant, has been extremely dominant ever since the inception, uh, ever since the mid-90s, when, you know, Rebecca Lobo and Lisa Leslie and and that U.S. women's basketball team basically created the WNBA. The U.S. has been extremely dominant in women's basketball, and it's been extremely dominant in women's soccer, but those days might be coming to an end. For the first time in, well, not for the first time in history, but for the first time in a very, very, very long time, the U.S. women's national team is not favored to win the World Cup. They squeaked by the group stage of the World Cup, and they squeaked into the knockout round. Uh, their next game is against Sweden, which is not going to be any kind of an easy match. Uh, some of the more dominant teams in the World Cup this year England is a very good team. Sweden, like I just mentioned, is a very good team. Uh, the Netherlands, who the U.S. Um, had a nil-nil draw to to get into the knockout stage, very good team. The world is catching up. And it, it's been an interesting phenomenon to see because as someone who wants to see the sport grow, it's it kind of would behoove the United States to sort of let and I, and I say let in a sort of not only because I can't think of a better word, but it sort of, it would sort of behoove the United States to let other teams kind of have a true shot at the title because nobody worldwide is going to be interested in a sport that the U S of all countries is going to win time and time again, which is why American football is never going to take off worldwide. That is an American sport, an American sport only. It'll never take off anywhere. It won't even take off in London, where the NFL is really, really trying to make it happen. It's it's fetch. It's not going to happen. But despite all that, the U.S. might still win the World Cup, which would give them three in a row. But this team is not the team of old. They don't play together. They... For as much as you might think there are no statistics in soccer, there are things that you can track, such as number of passes per possession. And the U.S. kind of has an abysmal, like, 1.9 passes per possession, I believe. I might be screw- I might be screwing the name of that, that stat up. But basically, the U.S. women are playing like a selfish team who doesn't know each other and may not necessarily like each other. And chemistry is a hugely important thing in sports. Um, the, some of the best teams in history, regardless of sport, they were the best because they trusted each other. That team chemistry was there. And it doesn't seem to be there for this team. And something like that comes straight from the top. The U.M. The U.S. women's national coach, Vlatko Andonovsky, guy doesn't know what he's doing. I'm someone who is still going to be relatively new at at soccer and sort of my expertise in it is not going to be anywhere near it is my expertise in basketball. But when you have a team 
that's as talented as the U.S. women's national team. Now, the U.S. women's national team is talented. They're still fully capable of winning the World Cup. It just doesn't seem like they're going to because they're poorly coached. It doesn't take a genius to see that this team is very poorly coached. And, yeah, that that makes for an interesting World Cup because as much as you want to root for the U.S., you definitely want to root for this coach to be fired. He should not be rewarded with a World Cup championship as bad as he's been. You you root for the underdog. That's kind of that's that's one of the things that this podcast is kind of all about. Like so, so many great sports movies are are great because they they involve underdogs. And you've seen some really great matches so far in the women's World Cup. You've seen, I believe it was Panama get their first World Cup goal ever. Jamaica. Jamaica upset Brazil. Brazil. Brazil is one of the best countries in the world at soccer. Like, they didn't invent soccer, but they're one of the best in the the world at it. Men and women, that soccer team is good, and Jamaica beat them. And Jamaica has an incredible story. You can make a compelling sports documentary on Jamaica's journey in this World Cup alone. They started a GoFundMe just to have money to fund their trip to Australia to get into this game. Like, this, you know, the, the huge advantage that the U.S. has over the other countries is Title IX and the fact that they have funding for facilities, for equipment, for as bad a coach as he is, that coach is getting paid. Jamaica has almost none of that. They had to, they had to start a GoFundMe just to, just to be here. And they knocked off Brazil? That's a huge story. It's it's a huge story. It's really great to see. So this year's Women's World Cup just kind of has a little bit of everything. It's got drama. It's got the people you love to root for. It's got legends of the game from other countries. And people are really enjoying women's sports. This past March Madness, the Women's Final Four was one of the most viewed. It, was, it outviewed the Men's Final Four. WNBA viewership is up this year. Women need they need better they need better media contracts. They need they need to be out there more. If you broadcast women's sports, people will watch it. I don't know that people seem to forget that I think statistically there are more women in the world than men. Women love sports. And women love women's sports. And gamblers really love sports. Like, if you just put women's sports on television, women will watch it. And in saying that, I'm actually remembering another sports story that I wanted to talk about when I first heard about it. And this was before I had brought the the podcast back. Uh, There's a woman in Portland, Oregon, named Jenny Gwynn. She had the idea of creating a sports bar for women's sports, a sports bar that would only broadcast women's sports. She called it the sports bra, which is amazing because it's the same letter as a sports bar. It's clever. By her own admission, when she signed the lease to open what, what became her dream, she wasn't sure that it would be open for more than a few months. But within eight months, this bar brought in close to a million dollars it was profitable in the first year 
you almost never see that out of a restaurant or a sports bar. The idea that, you know, people just need a place to watch women's sports. The The WNBA League Pass is $24. Right now the season is almost over, so it's a little too late for this season. But if you have daughters or if you have young sons or if you just you love basketball, invest in WNBA League Pass. It's $25. You'll get to watch some really great games. Find places to watch women's sports. Watch women's college basketball on ESPN. Watch women's lacrosse on ESPN. Shout out to the Northwestern Wildcats who won the Big Ten, who won the national championship in lacrosse this past year for the NCAA. Like Women's sports are great. If you give them a chance, people will really love them. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right, so if you're a child of the 90s, like I am, I was born in 1981, but I don't have a lot of memories from before the time I was nine years old. Uh, most of my memories come from from the 90s. And I remember things like seeing Charles Barkley in the NBA Finals, and I remember uh, seeing things like Last Action Hero, uh, different Schwarzenegger movies and things like that. Um, but one of the things I loved the most in the 90s was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I loved the the first movie. I loved the the animated show. They had a they released an album in which there was a uh, they were a band that was touring the country and they would sing songs and every every summer we would go on a vacation that my family and I would go on a vacation and we had this um we had this green van that had a bed in the back and in the bed embedded in the back was a cassette player with the with a jack for headphones and I would spend the entire road trips listening to this one album from the Ninja Turtles I don't even remember officially what it's called I can remember some of the songs in my head. I'm not going to sing them now because I I don't do that. I don't karaoke. I don't I don't do that. But uh, I love the Ninja Turtles uh, unabashedly, unashamedly. As as the 2000s kind of progressed and there were new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shows coming out, um, the animation style didn't really agree with me they as kids sensibilities change as you know they they change from what you were a kid to when you became an adult like those shows just didn't appeal to me the way they did i still always loved the original movie i still always loved the 90s cartoon um even to a certain extent a little bit like like ninja turtles 2 and 3 secret of the ooze and uh uh secret in time I think is what the third one's called. Hey, what's up, Zamara? It's my cat, Zamara, in the background, making noise. And I, even at one point, that's making me remember, I had a dog who I named Michelangelo because he was my favorite Ninja Turtle. I believe he was most people's favorite Ninja Turtle because he was the one who was fun. Leonardo was the leader. Nobody likes the leader. Um, Donatello was a nerd. And when you're when you're young, you don't think nerds are cool. At least 
in the 90s and somebody who, who loved sports, so you, you don't think nerds are cool. Um, and then there's Raphael, who was just kind of a dick. And I didn't really identify with anything Raphael was about. But I, I loved Michelangelo because he was funny. I liked the nunchucks. The nunchucks were a cool weapon. Um, although, admittedly, my favorite like weapon was the, the bow stick, which is what Donatello used. Um, there was even a great graphic novel that I, I remember that I've never really been able to find. The, the original iteration of the comic books that the Ninja Turtles were in was super gritty, super dark. It was all black and white, um, but it was, it was very violent. And very bloody. And I, as a kid, I kind of really liked the, the dark tone. And the closest thing to that has been the very first Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. Uh, even that one proved to be a little too violent for kids. And, and parents kind of objected to that. And ever since then, every Ninja Turtles project has been very, or much more kid-friendly. Which... Despite that, I still I still like it. There was an animated movie in 2007 simply called TMNT that sort of seemed like it was going to bring back that aesthetic. I remember the trailer being very dark and had a really cool voiceover of Tony Shalhoub as Splinter. And it seemed like that movie that was going to be the dark TMNT movie that I always wanted to see. And that didn't it didn't quite turn out that way, but that was still pretty good. And that was in 2007, so I pretty much had given up on any idea of there being good Ninja Turtles movies. And then in 2014, Michael Bay produced some new ones in which the Ninja Turtles would be CGI characters. Now, people don't like these movies, but I kind of love them. I think they're really funny. I think the, I think the CGI Turtles look cool. Um... The second movie is definitely way better than the first one, but I'm probably going to lose a lot of credibility for this, but I, both of those movies, I just I really, really love those movies. Those movies are fun. Fun as all hell. If you love the Ninja Turtles, I think those movies, like, really get it. Fast forward to 2023. There's a brand new movie coming from Seth Rogen. There's been a rash of these old properties produced and in, in sort of run by by actors and things like that. Uh, the Halloween trilogy was written by Danny McBride. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but Danny McBride, the comedic actor, wrote the, the Halloween trilogy, which wasn't great. At least the third one wasn't great. And here we are. The Ninja Turtles are coming out with a new movie produced by Seth Rogen, and Seth Rogen had an interesting comic adaptation of the TV show Preacher. That turned out to be pretty pretty good and pretty authentic to the comics. And so I was really kind of looking forward to what he was going to do with the new mutant uh, with a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie called uh, Mutant Mayhem. And the the trailer for it was interesting. The Ninja Turtles were teenagers as they have been in other movies, but they seem sort of more grown up in other movies. They they never really seemed like kids. They they drive a van. They use these weapons. They're ninjas. That obviously takes a long time to master and learn. 
this movie, the trailer for Mutant Mayhem seemed to really showcase the fact that these are children, which immediately did not appeal to me as much as, I mean, the idea of a new Ninja Turtles movie is going to get me excited to a certain extent when I saw that their maturity level was sort of that of actual teenagers of today. Of which, admittedly, I don't know a lot of teenagers of today, but I just think of as old as I am, I think of teenagers of today as kind of dumb because they don't know shit about life. And these guys, and these, these guys exhibit that to a T once you've seen the whole movie. But that being said, as I'm watching the movie, I can't help but have a big dumb smile all over my face. It, it's a truly great depiction of Splinter as their father, voiced by Jackie Chan. If you know anything about Jackie Chan, um, hearing him as the voice of Splinter just would bring a smile to your face. Because even though what you're seeing on screen is a big giant rat, um, you, you see Jackie Chan. And I, I really enjoyed that about this one. The, the voices of the four turtles are not played by anyone famous. But they're and they're played by actual children, but they do a really great job. Uh, the kid who plays Raphael downplays the fact that he's just kind of a dick and instead upplays the fact that he's just a kid who needs therapy, which I think a lot of us can agree with or, or at least sympathize with. Uh, the character of April O'Neill is also a high schooler, which is new to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ethos, but is voiced by Ao Adebri, who is having a summer. She's She plays Sid in The Bear. She's in a great independent film called Theater Camp. She's in another great independent film called Bottoms. And she's in this movie. Like She's doing so many really great things, and everything she's in is so different from the thing before. The, the best, obviously, being The Bear. You should watch The Bear on Hulu for every performance, not just A.O. Debris, but her performance in in The Bear is fantastic. And her performance here is great. Like, once you figure out that that's her voice, that's another one where you can envision her being this character. Um, Ice Cube plays the villain in the, in the film. A whole host of other voices, including Seth Rogen, he was playing a warthog, which is funny because he was a warthog in The Lion King as well. But yeah, Mutant Mayhem as a as a movie, it I think yeah it it highlights the turtles being true teenagers, which it can be kind of funny in its own way. Um, the animation style is um, kind of erratic. There's sort of this new there's sort of this trend of animation going the way of, of you know, not being so, I don't know, two-dimensional, if you will. If you've seen, um, if you've seen Across the Spider-Verse or, you know, things like that, this is sort of that erratic sort of multi-layer style animation. That's sort of what's going on here. The animation is a little jarring and a little different to get used to at first, but once you get used to it and, you, and you're just accepting that it, what you're seeing is an animation style that you're not really used to seeing. Once you get past that, then you can really enjoy the movie for what it is. And what the movie is ultimately beyond the performances that I just talked about is just really funny 
great action. It brings new aesthetics to the ethos of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is not canon from any iteration of the Ninja Turtles before. This is its own brand new thing. But it's still great and funny nonetheless. If you love the Ninja Turtles, I think you're really going to love Mutant Mayhem. Uh, I would give it a solid three and a half out of five, which is a, uh, it's like a starter and a half, like a starter who maybe doesn't get voted into the all-star game. It's definitely, he's deserving, but he's just not quite there. Um, but Mutant Mayhem, a lot of fun. Check it out at theaters this weekend. Take a quick break. Okay. So I promised you that I would have you out of here early. And here I am, 40 minutes in, still rambling. I apologize about that. I am going to figure out how to do a 30 to 35-minute podcast uh, at some point. Um, That being said, we'll go into this second review rather quickly, as there's not a whole lot to really talk about. Uh, Haunted Mansion. If you've been to Disney World, you've seen the scary castle, you've seen the scary mansion, you've been in the ride... You've been in the creepy room with the voiceover where the ceiling gets taller and you start to see how the people in the portraits really died. This is basically a different version of that movie. There's a recent-ish version starring Eddie Murphy that you can watch on Disney Plus right now. I haven't seen that version, so I don't know how much it differs from this one. I was a little surprised because so Eddie Murphy's in that one. And in this one, you have uh, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito. Very diverse cast of characters in this one. But this one seems to be really true to the to the original aesthetic of the Haunted Mansion. Um, but one of the cool things about this movie is if you're a fan of Lakeith Stanfield, this is absolutely worth your time. He is an immensely talented actor. You've seen him in film Get Out. He was in a really cool romantic drama called The Photograph. Anything he's in, he just, he kills. He's such a great actor. He emotes with his eyes really well. He plays a grieving husband in this movie. And his emotion, man, he really taps into the grieving part of his character uh rosario dawson is in this movie she she's been in so many great movies this is like nowhere near the top of you know her filmography owen wilson is in this he's he's owen wilson um danny devito who is sort of having a career resurgence ever since he he um was cast in it's always sunny anything he's in he's going to be really funny in um, this movie, it's, it's not a scary movie. It, in the vein of, of horror movies or like Halloween movies that you, that you watch in October, this, I think this will be up there. This is one that I would definitely rewatch. Um, Lakeith, like I said, turns in a really great performance. Uh, I think a lot of the, the set pieces in here are really creative. Um, there's, there really isn't a whole lot to say it. It's a movie based on a ride in Disney world in Disneyland. So it's not going to be anything that 
reinvents the wheel or anything like that. But in the interest of saving time, uh, overall, it's just it's a really fun movie. If if what you're looking for is a fun movie that you can stream on Disney Plus, this will definitely be it. If you're looking for another movie to kind of add to your Halloween rotation in October, I think this is one that you can add to that. Um, the fact that there are two recent Haunted Mansion movies, you can stream them both, I'd imagine. I've never seen the Eddie Murphy one, so I don't know how good or bad it is. I would venture to guess that this Haunted Mansion is better than the Eddie Murphy one because I actually really liked this movie. Um, it's not going to make my top 10 or anything like that. It's not going to be, um, in, in terms of like family friendly Halloween movies from the past few years, like, like I think, I think maybe kind of top of that echelon might be Goosebumps with Jack Black. That's a really great October Halloween family friendly movie. Um, this one might even be a little scary for, for some kids. Whereas Goosebumps is almost entirely family friendly, um, but no, this is this is a good movie. Uh, it's not great, like I said. And there's not even really a whole lot to say about it. <laughs> but uh, now I would give this a solid uh, starter uh, to my sports rating scale, which uh, makes it a three out of five. So Haunted Mansion also available this week in theaters. Uh, check that out when you. Can. And with that, that is going to do it for this episode of Love and Game Film. Thank you very much for listening, if you've listened this whole way. Uh, I truly do love you for listening to this. Um, I checked the stats, and somebody listens to this. So (laughs) if you're out there and you listen to this, uh, you are someone who means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Um, Once again, I'm your host, JC DeLeon. You can find me on... Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at JCDeLeon1. You can follow me on those same platforms at Love Game Film. Um, gonna take some classes to like see how I can really utilize that that business account. But I'm I'm pretty much always reachable at JCDeLeon1. Um, you can also find me on Blue Sky at JCDeLeon. No one uh, at Blue Sky. Uh, incidentally, if you need Blue Sky invites. Uh, hit me up because I've got some. Um, but yeah, with that, thank you very much for listening once again. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the movies. We're out.